Yeah, I, I was, uh, you know, on YouTube and I just recently saw your very first home run you ever hit. And there's it's great footage of it too, like whatever camera they were using in 92. Sometimes you get those weird broadcasts. It's a really great uh, video. Can you like talk us through your first major league home run? Oh, I, I, I remember where it was. It was in Boston. And uh, I got called up a couple days earlier and it was uh, Camden Yards that made my debut. I got through the first game. It was a, I, I remember I didn't sleep the night before, flew all day on a plane. Got to Camden Yards, had a big press conference. Next thing I know, I was in the game. Got a base hit my first at bat. I ended it. I think we ended the game. Omar Vizquel was a shortstop. We ended it on a double play. And I remember going back and collapsing in my hotel room. I had this big suite. And I'm thinking, this is awesome. This is not like AAA. And then we got to Boston, and I had a corner room. <laughs> and, and they just, the, the Mariners did it for my initial call up. They kind of gave me the, you know, r- red carpet treatment. Uh, but I remember going to Boston and it was like, wow, we're at Fenway Park. I've seen this on TV. My grandpa played here. Uh, and I just, you know, I was just surviving. I was a young kid that that this is my whole life. This is all I've ever wanted to do. I'm finally getting my opportunity and I just wanted to do good. You know, I just didn't want to, I wanted to do well and prove that I belong here. And I don't remember too much about it. I remember a breaking ball. And I kind of got out on my front foot, but I kept my weight backing up and I just kind of flipped it. And I said, oh, I think that's a homer. And back then it was before the before the seats were up there and you hit it into the net mm-hmm. and uh, they went and got the ball for me. They pretended like they didn't find it, but they, they ended up getting the first <laughs> ball for me. And, um, Did you get a beer shower? No, I didn't. I didn't. But I, I do remember that. And, and it, to me, I, I just remember hitting it, knew it was a homer. Just put my head down, ran around the bases because that's what we did back then. There was no none of this <laughs> pimping homers and doing stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. I got back in my, you know, my I, I think my teammates kind of gave me the no high fives, the the silent treatment. Then they kind of piled on and said, "Hey, congratulations, your first home run." So that's what I remember about that. Uh, wasn't that big of a deal? I I knew I was excited because that tape you're talking about back then we didn't have. The internet. We couldn't go on our phone yeah. and watch everything up to date. So that was one of those things where I'm getting on the phone right after the game and I'm going, Mom, did you have it taped? Did you put it in the VCR? And she's like, Yeah. Next thing you know, they're sending me tape over, you know, through the mail yeah. so I could see my first yeah. home run. So back then that was a big deal to get to get that footage. But uh any any first, you know. My first hit, I remember it was great. My first home run, you know, first time you get elected to an all-star game. First gold glove I won. A lot of firsts in baseball uh, that that you dream about when you're a kid. And, and, uh, you know, I was fortunate enough I got to fulfill a lot of those dreams. And and, uh, pretty good life. Pretty blessed life. High drive left field by the rookie. High into the pale sky and into the screen for a homer. Brett Boone. With his first major league homer. And the Mariners lead six to three. Ooh. Well, a big, big charge for the youngster. And the good news for him is that he'll probably be able to get that ball back. It stayed in the net. So after the game, somebody can climb up there and get it for him, and he'll have his souvenir for his first major league home run. Tell you, Brett Boone, he mentioned the 13 home runs that he had at the minor league level. I mean, he's put together. He's stocky. He looks like he's strong and looks like he may be able to deliver some home runs. Certainly does right there. Well, his dad, who was managing in the minors, 
force here. There's the ball. Yeah, that's one that somebody's got to chase down and put up in his mantle. First, he's got his first hit this week. Now his first home run. Speaking of your Gold Glove, what was your like day-to-day -day preparation? Uh, you know, to for for yourself out in the field. Um, I'll tell you, it, when I was a young kid, when I was in the minor leagues, I, I uh, you know, I was always hearing, you know, when they have the prospect reporter, they talk about you coming up. It was always Brett Boone. He's an offensive second baseman. He's going to be this hitter. And, and I always took that as, wait a minute, I'm a really good defender. And I worked really hard in the minor leagues at, at my uh, defense. I mean, I was out there for, for 20, 30 minutes a day. Once I got to the big leagues and got comfortable, my routine really was no big deal. It was during batting practice, I'd take ground balls for about seven, eight minutes. And that's all I needed. And I had three different, you know, I'd, I'd go, you know, forehand, backhand. I'd come into the grass and, and I'd have a, whoever's hitting the fungal that day just hit balls as hard as they could at me for about, you know, five or six reps. And that was pretty much it. Because defense is, you know, I see a lot of guys working on defense and I don't understand it. Because once you get to a certain level defensively, it's like, you know how to do it. And it has nothing to do with your hands or, or, or it has to do with your feet. It's all about footwork. Great, great field, gold glove, great defenders have great footwork. It has nothing to do. You hear all the time. He's got great hands. Well, everybody in the big leagues has very good hands. The elite players have the elite footwork. And that's what makes you a gold glover is you get good jumps. You get good hops. If you give any fielder in the big leagues, 10 out of 10 good hops, they're probably not going to make an error. But the great ones get 9 out of 10 good hops, and the mediocre ones get 7 out of 10. And that's what <laughs> separates a, a good defender from a great defender. It's all in the footwork. And I worked on my, my footwork quite a bit in the minor leagues. Man, I love that perspective, hearing about defense like that. Um, you, you also had a double play combo. Who was your favorite and, and the, the guy you love to turn double plays with the most throughout your career? Let's see. Uh, Omar and myself were together a very short, short time. We both left Seattle shortly after that. So my, my reign in, in uh, Cincinnati, Barry Larkin, uh, it was yeah. kind of like a magical thing. I mean, we really knew each other. Uh, not to get kind of weird, because I always believed you worked hard and, and none of that voodoo stuff. Oh, I know what my partner's thinking and all that. I'll tell you, after I played five years with Barry, I, I started to believe in that type of stuff. <laughs> I mean, it seemed like it, first it comes with, with the middle infield combination. It comes with trust and it's, I can freewheel. I can take chances. I can take risk and, and make unbelievable plays. And I trust my partner that he's going to be there. And if I don't have to make a perfect throw, he's going to make a non-perfect throw look perfect by his footwork. So I, he, he gave me the freedom to freewheel and just try to make try to make every unbelievable play. Because I knew if I didn't, and I didn't quite give him that good feed, Barry was going to make it look like a good feed, and he was going to do what he needed to do on that end, and vice versa. He could freewheel at shortstop, and he could make up stuff and take big-time chances because he knew I was going to be there, and I, he knew I was going to handle my end of the deal. So for that five years, that, that's about as special as it comes. I'll tell you, I really enjoyed my time with Carlos Guillen in Seattle. He was great, unbelievable around the bag. Um, so uh, those are my two, my two favorite guys. What a uh, pitcher gave you the most difficult uh, time when you were at the plate and on the flip side, which pitcher did you just own and eat for lunch when you're at the plate? 
Well, oh man, eight for lunch. I, I don't know. I, I, I definitely had my guys that, that I, I liked facing. Um, but, but the question of who was tough, you know, I, cause there's a lot of guys that were tough, man. Kevin Brown, I remember in the day was a pain in the neck. Randy Johnson was a pain. Pedro, I did okay off of. Clemens, I did okay off. That doesn't mean I liked facing them. Their stuff was still nasty, but I, I, I found a way to come out of there with a hit. and it Hit, hit in a walk, maybe. Uh, but, but I've narrowed it down. There were a lot of tough ones that I faced, but I narrowed it down to this. The 90s, Maddox, Smoltz, Glavin. Because I remember that's ingrained <laughs> in my head. When I was in Cincinnati, we'd go to Atlanta, and it was always Maddox, Smoltz, Glavin. And I think to this day... Uh, you know, I think there's a really good argument that could be made. They're the greatest staff of all time. And they were three aces. They were completely different how they went about their business, how they went about their craft. You know, Maddox was a was a technician. Uh, Smolty was that more classic over-the-top fastball slider. Couldn't pick his slider up out of his release point, so everything looked like a fastball. Uh, and Glavin was the classic crafty left-hander but had more velocity than than you want and, and the one thing they had in common all three of them is they could they were so accurate with their they didn't miss they didn't miss location their location was so on point and and i got to play behind them one year in atlanta and i got to see that from a defensive standpoint like if it's if maddox is up there and, and javi lopez calls for a pitch away uh fastball away i know it's going to be a fastball away Cause, cause that's how pinpoint. So those are the, those are the three, th- those are my, that's my stock answer these days of who gave you the most trouble. Uh, as far as, as far as on the other side, I, I don't really know. I, I mean, the guys there, there's a lot of guys I'd have to get into the books and find out who I did really well off of. I know who I, who I felt comfortable off, but nobody in particular comes to mind like, Oh, you know, maybe Swindell for a while, maybe an Andy Bennis. Uh, I seem to have a lot of success off. But, uh, oh, David Wells, I wore him out my entire career. And then at the end, my last couple of times facing him, I didn't get a hit, you know, because I'd be so excited. Like, oh, well, Wells yeah. is pitching. I know I always do well off him. And next thing you know, he's giving me offers. And I'm going, damn it, it ran out. You know, Schilling early in my career, I had a lot of success. Later in my career, he came up with that split finger, and it was a different animal. So uh, it'd be interesting. I, I haven't really looked at it. I mean, if you if you say a name, I could probably say, oh, yeah, I think I did decent off him. But for the most part, remember the guys that were really tough on you. One of my favorite home runs, though, that you ever hit uh, is off Roger Clemens. It's the one when your helmet comes all my the way off. My helmet comes off, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. It's like – If you look at that <laughs> tape, you know what's funny about that tape? Edgar's hitting behind me, I think, that game. And Edgar took Roger deep the same game. Check out the tape. My helmet falls off if you replay it. On my recoil with my bat, my bat hits the helmet. I didn't throw my helmet off. No. And then I didn't know what to do because <laughs> I was five steps out of the box. And I thought, do I go get my helmet? And I paused for a second. I think that that'll make me look stupid. And then I ran around the base without a helmet. And I felt like naked. I felt so stupid running around the bases. Later in the game, Edgar goes deep. For some reason, his helmet comes off. In the same game, and I remember Roger sent a bat boy over after the game. It says, uh, and it was in a, it, it was a wink, wink kind of comment. But he says, "Can you tell Booney and Edgar to keep their helmet on when they take me deep?" And uh, <laughs> you know, it was kind of, it was kind of a funny thing. But yeah, very, very weird. I think it's the only, 
only home run I ever hit in the big leagues, minor leagues, high school, college, where my helmet came off and it was off Roger. It was great. You must have just had a fresh tip job, too. It's a, yeah, I did. I looking did. pretty good. <laughs> yeah. I'm so embarrassed. Oh, don't worry about it. Yeah, but in front of Gold Glover, it can happen to anybody. Really? Even you? <laughs> me? No, not me. Guys like you? Happens all the time. Thanks. Ah, you're welcome. Well, at least that one wasn't your fault. All right, you just heard that commercial that just played right now, the Brett Boone commercial. That was created by... Copacino Fujikato, and we have Jim Copacino, who was the guy behind all the classic Mariners commercials back in the 90s. It's also a team thing. He'll also stress that. But Jim, to me, is like the Wizard of Oz when it comes to these Seattle Mariner commercials that we know and love and wish we still had. And we were talking to him down at the All-Star Week, and we asked him, how did the whole Soto Mojo thing come about? And he lets us know right here. Yeah, we'd, we'd always generate a lot of different slogans, and some better than others. You know, my, the, our late colleague, Steve Kinetta, this great guy, uh, grew up a Mets fan in Brooklyn, passionate baseball fan, moved out here to the Northwest. We worked together at McCann Erickson. We brought him over to the agency. He was the inventor of Soto Mojo, which yeah. was perhaps the, the best one, you know. I think that's the most, for me, that's the most memorable yeah, one. Yeah. There's all, they're all great. You yeah. got to love these guys. But the Soto Mojo is, is, it's a thing. We had some bad ones too. It's, like it's, get all of it. And, yeah. <laughs> you know, that was, that was don't worry about it. Don't remember down that here. one. <laughs> please, please buy a ticket. It sounds like, a, it sounds like the hook to like a, a, like a country Southern yeah. rock. Get all of it. Get all. Uh, but Soto Mojo, I mean, that's, I was saying this to Chris on one of the episodes was like, I was like, it came from that, and then it's it's going to live on. It's on the City Connect jerseys. Yeah, yeah. Isn't that cool? I mean, that's... Along with, uh, you know, my oh my. And, yeah. Yeah. So when you saw that on the jersey, like, does that take you back? Is that Was that an emotional thing? Uh, yeah. You know, I thought of Steve, of course, you right. know, because uh, he and I were such great friends. But, uh, yeah, it's pretty cool. And, again, you know, you... You work on a brand that that's so visible. You mm-hmm. know, it's it's not like doing an insurance company, or, <laughs> and uh, you know, it, it's just a wonderful opportunity. I mean, I feel like it's such a lucky guy to have done that, and to have developed a relationship we did, and to do all the work we did. So you know, it's one of those things where it all comes together. It doesn't always happen, but it was good. Yeah, and was was Soto Mojo where it came? Now he wasn't. Was he an accountant? Is this uh, Steve? Well, he was an account director, but he was a very creative guy. You know, in other words, as an account uh, director or, or executive, your job is to be the liaison between the agency and the client. So you handle the relationship, you handle the finances and the, the budgets. But Steve was more than that. He was he was a funny guy. He was a creative guy, uh, and you know, uh, we had kind of an inclusive agency culture where it's hey a good idea is a good idea no matter where it came from yeah so steve came up with soto mojo and uh, martinez loved it kevin yeah and because it was you know what does it really mean you know now it has meaning soto mojo in fact when nihaus first heard it he said what is that japanese because <laughs> he tried to just go along and uh no david's not japanese uh 
So, but anyway, Kevin sold it to, to uh, you know, Howard Lincoln and Chuck uh, Armstrong and the powers that be. And he did a great job selling it. I don't think we could have done it without Kevin's, certainly couldn't have done it without Kevin's endorsements. Ladies and gentlemen, a very funny man. Please welcome from Seattle, Jay Buner. Here's one for you. Horse walks into a bar. Bartender says, hey, why the long face? Here's one for you. Aren't you glad he decided to play right field for the Mariners instead? All right, up next is our friend Chris Estrada, who is our Modesto Nuts insider. The Modesto Nuts are the Seattle Mariners, a affiliate. These are where all the top prospects first start out from the draft to Modesto. Then you go to Everett, then Arkansas, Tacoma, maybe to Seattle. Anyways, he's been around a lot of the players that are on the Mariners team right now, that young nucleus, uh, just this past season though the modesto nuts had a 16 game winning streak at the end of the season they ended up winning their league a big huge comeback almost all off it felt like the mariners organization in 2022 maybe back in 95 cool little story we're talking to him about it right here big push at the end of the season you 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 toppled fresno by one game because you guys had a 16 game winning streak we mentioned a little bit of that at the top uh was this this kind of just reminds me when i'm looking at this of the 2022 mariners when the season was like eh, it was not very good and then they went on a 14 game winning streak to, to get them out of that we saw the mariners do this this year uh and to see that the younger guys are doing this was a lot of fun and like i said was the silver linings of, of watching these broadcasts you, you get like a half a breath of fresh air to going don't worry more good people are coming uh well, we'd see this can you tell us about that winning streak when did you guys uh start really like when when did it start to be a buzz especially uh there in modesto and stuff like that with the with the fans and stuff yeah so definitely so i'll tell you so our season our regular season ended on september 3rd was the last game of the regular season one month back, August 3rd, the Nuts were nine games out of first place. They were nine games behind Fresno. So it's it's crazy to think that, yeah, they, when they won those 16 games in a row, and they ended up needing that 17th win. And just it makes you think that they really needed every single one of those games. And it's crazy. Like, this this team, like – I can get into it more in a bit about like all these new guys that came up. And I think that was the biggest thing. Like the first half of the season was a little up and down. Um, they had a lot of uh, issues with pitching, I think was the biggest thing. Their bullpen was a little bit up and down. Um, and But that second half of the season, they just started shutting it down. Like they, the, the pitching staff was just so different than the first half. And, and the thing is they had a majority of the same guys. Like something just clicked for them. Um, and especially like the biggest thing I think for this, um, that this whole playoff run and that 16 game win streak was the guys just didn't get, didn't give up. Like they, they played for each other. Um, the Mariners, they actually had a saying, um, they had these, all the, I think all the Mariners minor league team, minor league teams got these uh, shirts issued. And the saying was nine on one past the baton. Um, and so the saying was that it's like, Hey, you know, 
we're not we're we're a team we're playing together just you know you do your part and let us let the next guy continue on and do the rest and they really did that because there were so many come from behind wins it was it was crazy and actually all four of the playoff games the the other team scored first so they came back in every single one of those games clutch hitting hitting with runners in scoring position not leaving the bases loaded Things that win ball games, things that didn't really happen for the big club this year, huh? <laughs> no. Yeah, but at least, <laughs> but at least they're doing it down there. There, there is hope. Well, I'm wondering if they're controlling the zone as well. You know, he's talking about t-shirts. Did you guys ever have to control <laughs> control the zone but, t-shirts? <laughs> yeah, I think they. Yeah, I think they did have those. Too, <laughs> but, but man, I do got to say, man, the one thing I was sad about is so um, that Saturday game, the one the Mariners lost. Um, was actually the day for um, where they honored their minor leaguers with their minor league awards. Yeah. Um, and they had a, a multiple of the nuts players won those awards. Correct. Yeah. Um, so I was like, okay, man, this is great. You know, the Mariners need a win. We got the nuts players there. You know, they're going to give good vibes. You know, they're going to just give that mojo back to the Mariners. And then that's the game that they lost. <laughs> I thought that was yeah. funny. 